Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is ordered. Two fathers in your building. Mr. Logical in your ear. What's going on? You we here tonight. Shot into the fourth section of the stadium. Watching the game live. Tonight is playing night. Atlanta and Miami on right now. The world famous LA Lakers to come against the team fighting against themselves. So tonight, we're gonna talk about the XFL. What are your thoughts? Do you like it? Do they have a future? I say no. (laughs) Then we're gonna get into the NBA playoff preview. We don't even know the match yet, but we're gonna talk about it anyway outside of the top four, five seeds and everything. The Ravens. They went crazy for the brick. I don't even know if the price went up. The Ravens just spent it. They was on that Scarface yank that was bringing Odell Beckham in for that amount of money. Then, is the number three pick lucky? Word on the street is Arizona might be getting some call about some trades. Should they do it? Who are these teams? What do they want? And you know what I want, y'all. I want to get something off my chest. So, join us. Like us, review, subscribe. It's free. Holla, Brad. Yeah. XFL. Yay XFL. or nay? Well, I went down to Virginia this weekend. Uh, my pops turned 66 on Sunday, so we kicked it. And we hung out. Happy uh, birthday, Pops. So we, we're just hanging out. You know, he loves sports. We talk sports. I've had many of debates with him. I had one with him Easter night about 90s NBA versus today and, you know, everything else. We do this a lot. But we sat down. We watched the XFL. And it was the, uh, the St. Louis versus Vegas game. The Battle Hawks. The Battle Hawks. I mean, so it was like... <laughs> It, it wasn't a bad game. It wasn't they the players looked apart. I like the uniforms. I like the the field that they were playing on. The audience was about, I believe it was somewhere in the it's it was in the mid-30s, mid to like 36, 37,000 fans, somewhere in that range. They they had it up on the screen. So in this, you know, 70,000, 60,000 seat arena, all blue seats, blue jerseys. It looked pretty packed. I mean, it, it looked like a like a, a functioning game. You have Rod Woodson as a coach. Uh, the coach is being mic'd up. Dean Blandino, the former referee, like the head of officiating. He used to do a lot of like other Fox stuff like that. He would do the in-game things, kind of like the Mike Pereira role. Well, he was coming in, making adjustments and running the clock and checking the uh, like the challenges and things like that and running the, the replays. So I liked that. I thought it was smooth. I liked the way the plays came in. I liked the extra point. I'm not I'm not so sure about the, the kickoff. I'm not I'm trying to figure out what is it who has the advantage or like like what the philosophy is behind the like is it a matter of you make a couple of good blocks and this guy can get through? You know, so that part was a little, little quirky. But I like going for one, two, or three because I believe Vegas scored a touchdown to go up nine 
and had to go for it to try to go up 10 and it was incomplete. So then when St. Louis got the ball back, they marched down late fourth quarter, scored a touchdown, and then they went for three and got it. So it was like, then it went to overtime. So I, th- I thought it was pretty exciting. I don't know how sustainable it is because we're so inundated with the NFL. I, I don't think it's been a topic of any one of our episodes that has been NFL related. I think we try to spread it out, but the NFL just constantly has something going on, even in February, post-Super Bowl, through March. We got the draft coming up. So I think the NFL just kind of encapsulates our entire sports world for an entire year. I think the XFL is a nice deal. They might have to do a little bit more partnership with the NFL, maybe, to kind of get them to to bolster it the way the WBA is kind of connected to the NBA. And then right about now, we're going to start getting a lot of advertisements for the WNBA starting. I think if the XFL had that element, I think they'd be – little bit more popular but as far as like the look of it i like the look of it so like i'm in the middle on this you know for the most part i don't think it's sustainable you know going forward like 10 years from now i don't think the xfl is going to exist or or at the very least it won't exist as we see it today so you know but what i do like about the league is bob stoops rod woodson heinz ward wade phillips terrell buckley Jim Hazlitt, Jerry Glanville on the commentary. These are names that we know, and these are credible names. So it's not just dudes that we saw in the NFL or that might have played a position and we know them because they played for our favorite team. They have some good faces going on, and it builds a certain credibility that this isn't necessarily a minor league, even though it's a minor league. You know, uh, but for me, I struggle with like going back to what you just said. I struggle with the window. Like, when would it be feasible for the XFL to be its most to maximize itself? Because you can't run it consecutively against the NFL, and then you also have college football going on yeah. at that same time. You know, even right now, we're financial suicide. We're, yeah, we're gearing up for the NBA playoffs right now, and the draft is coming up, and NFL free agency happened in the middle of their season. So, you know, I don't know how many people were actually watching the XFL. I know it's down here locally in San Antonio. Like, attendance is down 30% from where it was in the last iteration in 2020. So, but St. Louis, man, Malcolm X style, that brother off. Oh. So they took that NFL team away from them. And this season, they have the three highest attendance totals in the league. So, you know, St. Louis lost their team. They still love football. Another thing I like about the XFL is the games on average are about a half hour shorter than the NFL. So unlike the Canadian League, they're still playing the same amount of downs as far as, you know, the rules and everything like that. But they're getting out of there a half hour earlier, which I don't have a problem with the length of NFL games. But with everything that's going on, trying to shorten college football games, that might be appealing to a football fan to have a quicker football game. You know, but with that being said, that they want to shorten these games as much as they have everything on TV all the time. I'd want the game to be four hours long. As much as they talk about the NBA, NFL, and all these other. Oh, Atlanta's doing numbers. Yes, I mean I feel you. I feel you on the, uh, but like I said, sustainability is probably going to be key. 
And that's going to be that's going to come from whatever relationship you garner with the other sports that are going on this time as far as like the channels. So as long as they if they hitch their wagon somewhat to the NFL, you have a lot of former NFL names. You say Jerry Glanville commentary, Heinz Ward, Rob Woodson, who's the coach of Vegas. You have the names. And like I said, it, it looks credible. The passing game is, isn't really there just yet. I'm not sure, like, if it's a matter of time they had to practice. But well, you got dudes like A.J. McCarron throwing the ball. It can only be so good. Listen, A.J. cried after his game a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> I mean, the passion is still there. Like I said, we have Philip Lindsay, a former Broncos running back. He scored a touchdown in the game on Saturday. So, like you were, we were talking on our, on our, pre, in our pre-meeting, that it might not be sustainable because the players that are on the field aren't it's not a a, a minor league system it's not a pipeline system to the nfl it's the pipeline out of the nfl it's like the you have enough youth left to play football you just don't have it to play in the nfl so you go there but it's very similar to ice cube big three you know, people, they really probably think that was sustainable, but they made it to where, okay, like, listen, how can these old dudes play? Cool. We're going to play half court. We're going to play to this number. We're going to play in these kind of arenas. We're going to pack people as close as we can. So it's all about how do you sell it? It might be a situation where you have, you might have to just make it $5 tickets all the way around, give them out at schools, like similar to what I was saying about baseball. Like you might have to just manufacture your aesthetic like just bringing people down lower to the lower bowl and keep the camera there. Like a high school game. A packed high school well, game looks crazy, even though it's like probably a few thousand people there. But because the bleachers are only this big, it looks like it's nuts because it's packed high school game. But it's packed. You know what I'm saying? See, so but like, now I think we're on the brink. I think we're on the brink of finding out the answer to some of these questions because there's about two weeks left in the regular season before the playoffs get started. So the playoffs are going to run into the draft. You know, we're going to be into the heat of the NBA playoffs, getting into like the second round on our way to the conference finals and all that kind of stuff. So so, so that's where, like, for me, this is kind of where we find out how popular football is or is it the NFL. So one of the things that I don't necessarily like about the league is the cities involved. You know, because you got D.C., you got Seattle, you got Houston, you know, teams that have NFL strangleholds. And, you know, you even have Arlington, you know, where like near where the Cowboys play. So so, yeah. so from that standpoint, I understand that you need markets to build, I guess, the TV brand around the league. But, you know, nobody's going to represent the dc defenders you know <laughs> when you yeah. got washington right there you know new york's right there philly's right there you know like there's too much NFL clientele right there arlington ain't gonna blow up in cowboy country yeah but you think about like you if you just think about the infrastructure that's already in place you have especially if you think about texas there's probably multiple high schools and prep schools that have turf fields that you can rent out and practice on because it's such a big football centric area. You have a lot of local equipment, uh, maybe even the medical teams, the medical staff, the connections with hospitals, because they're so used to having football there 
I think you just have like this infrastructure that you're just kind of piggybacking off of just because it already exists. You probably won't try to you probably wouldn't try to start an XFL team and say like for like in the middle of Virginia, like Richmond, because it's not a big football market and they probably won't have the just extra fields. Like, for instance, if you were trying to start a lacrosse league here in where I live in Jersey, there's so many turf fields. The high schools have them. The public parks have them. The city parks have them. So if you were saying, hey, I'm trying to start a, a lacrosse league, you could do it here because if you have to play a game, there's multiple schools that have the their turf fields painted for lacrosse. Whereas if you have to paint a grass football field, that that's a lot of just a lot of time. It has mm-hmm. to look good. If it does, it won't look good on TV. The turf field, a high school turf field that my troop played on looks just as good as any other turf field you'll see around. So I think having access to those kind of things makes it easier. Then you have the fans. Certain certain environments, obviously St. Louis is making a case to move to Jacksonville Jaguars there if they're selling out XFL or they, they're selling 38,000 tickets at XFL games. It's like, hey, man, y'all got enough teams down there in Florida if y'all want to move one to the Midwest. And, of course, they're San Antonio. You, you know, know, San Antonio had a – they had the San Antonio Saints for that year post Katrina. Yeah, and you they know were, they were uh, doing walkthroughs at hotels. And you know, and we got the championship game down here on May 13th. I'm planning on being in attendance, you know, and I'm not going to do the NBA thing. I don't care who's playing. I'm going to be there. You know, but but you know, but when I look at it, one thing, another thing that I like, I do like the 4th and 15 option. And what I was reading a couple of months ago, uh, someone actually brought that to the NFL competition committee. I don't like that part. I, I, I like it. I like it. You know what I mean? Because I mean, onside kicks are exciting, but they probably only work about 3% of the time. So, you know, so the, so the fourth to 15 probably gives you about the same odds, but it has your skill players involved, you know, versus special teams. Like you remember the playoff game, Green Bay against Seattle. You know, all Green Bay had to do was fall on the ball. You know, and it, look it, how excited it, that was. It was. That dude got, it, it that was, dude it got was very exciting. That dude, he did a yeah, bunch did. of interviews all over the place, and they cut him anyway. But you know, so, I, so I, I wonder. Think, like I, said, I think I wonder, some of those leagues can keep should keep their rules though. But I hear you. Yeah, and, and I just think that if you're going to go up against the NFL, I mean, not directly, but if you're trying to present yourself as we're the other professional league. You have to differentiate yourself in some ways. And, and that's what I like about the CFL. I brought up the CFL. That's what I like about the CFL. Like, it might not be for everybody, but, you know, they have a lot of different rules. The field is different. It's just something that stands out. Whereas, like, arena football was too cartoonish. You know, and the field was, like, I think half the size of an NFL field. Whereas the Canadian field bigger. Yeah, 50 yards. Yeah, the, the, uh, the CFL field is bigger. You have an extra player on offense and defense. The end zones are deeper, you know, all that good stuff. So, you know, and, and in Baltimore, we actually had a CFL team when I was a teenager, and they won the Grey Cup and all that. So maybe that's part of why I like the CFL, you know, is that I have those memories as well. But the CFL is exciting. It's fun. When I watch the XFL, I watch a lower-quality version of what I see on Sundays, you know, so like we were talking about the G League, for example, you know, like the G League has these high school kids playing like the overtime elite. So it's yeah. a guy that 
might be a draft prospect like your Scoot Henderson's, who is projected to go number two in the draft. If you find a G League or if you keep up with the G League, you can watch him still grow with him the same way that you would if he was going to college. Or at the very least, you didn't learn on draft night that he was only shooting 27.5% from three-point range. You know, whereas in the XFL, a lot of these guys are NFL castoffs. So it's already starting out from a lesser than position, you know, because like A.J. McCarron, for example, I brought him up, you know, didn't hack it in the NFL, you know, and now he's here. And I'm supposed to buy that this guy that I saw fail in the major league is going to somehow become a star in this league and make me care about it. To like, how many how many XFL guys are going to end up on opening day NFL rosters? There might be some people that get calls, tryouts, training camp, you know. But in a G League, there's always that possibility of two way contracts, somebody getting called up, ten day contracts. You know, you you can see that, but it, but it, yeah. these XFL guys, you know, even though they have Martavius Bryant, Geronimo Allison, and Josh Gordon, you know, how many of those guys, even though Josh Gordon is still talented, how many of those guys are going to come back on a Sunday? Man, that he had such an opportunity. He had so many opportunities. It just seems like he just couldn't get right. Couldn't 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 get that curl to come around. You know what I mean? That that <laughs> you would think curl. he had a daddy in the league. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel you on the whole pipeline aspect of it, but I think as far as the entertainment piece, I thought it was very entertaining, aesthetically pleasing. I said these guys look like NFL players. Some of the run blocking and run defense every once in a while seemed to be a little as the holes were rather big, um, but they were hitting. I saw a couple of interceptions. I saw guys like mm-hmm. making plays at the goal line. I, I I enjoy it. I don't think it has a very long shelf life simply because it is right up against the height of sports right now. We right. have the beginning right. of baseball, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, the, all the off-season stuff with the NFL, which seems like it's probably going to be like this every single year with, the, with mm-hmm. the off seasons. So I think what it allows them to do is put on one o'clock Saturday games, four o'clock Saturday games, because I'm not sure how the NBA playoff schedule is going to go, but I imagine they're going to be able to get those blocks of times when people are amped for sports all day. So you got your, you got your, your Buffalo wild wings, your local bars, your local sports bars, your Dave and Buster's, places like that, I think people are going to just be like, you know what? I'll sit down and have another beer and watch this game, or I'll we'll get here a little early and catch the XFL game while it's on. You, you'll show up like, oh, the NBA's not on. I'll sit down and watch this football because we like football. I mean, just people, we just like we just like having football on. And, like, I think if the players look the part, the jerseys look the part, they don't look crazy – it's not like a bunch of like crazy helmets with like all kinds of unnecessary paint on. I think people look at it <laughs> and it looks like it looks like if you didn't know what the NFL was and you watched the St. Louis Vegas game, you were from a foreign country. You came over from Tunisia and you were just sitting at the airport at JFK and the game was on. You wouldn't know the difference between that and NFL game because it looks it looks yeah. that appealing. 
Yeah, I was a big NFL Europe fan. And, you know, before that, the world. League I went to football, those games. You know, shout out Barcelona Dragons, you know, New York, New Jersey Knights. You know, first I was time in Amsterdam for the NFL Europe World Bowl. Yeah, the, the, right, the, uh, the Rhine Fire, you know, yeah. like, you know, I was a big fan of all of that just because Coolio of the performed at halftime. You know, them being the doing Games Paradise in 2001. Yeah, so, so, you know, I enjoyed that. But I think I was caught up in the foreign part of it. You know, it was nice to see these things happen in other countries and seeing, because, you know, like, I know you're not necessarily a big soccer guy, but, you know, like, I like the Premier League, for example. I, I like you, it. You, I like you, it. You, you know, so, so, like, so, like, I think I just got caught up in that part of it. Whereas, like, they, some of these teams, you know, like, the Battle Hawks, you know, like the DC Defenders, the San Antonio Brahmas, you know, some of that stuff is just a little too generic for my liking. Not enough to not watch it, not enough to not watch yeah. it, but it does seem inferior. And I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, it is inferior. It is. But but I'm always here for football. I'm always here for football. You know, I, I don't think it'll ever replace you know, college football, you know, like, or anything like that, but maybe, oh, maybe. I don't think, somewhere I don't down think the shelf life is longer than five seasons. Well, I was going to say, scenario, maybe, maybe somewhere down the road, maybe yeah, somewhere down scenario. the road, we can get to a point where maybe the college to NFL eligibility rule chops a year off or something so maybe you get some college guys going there quicker or you know like because i know there were some guys in the in the afl that see the, the college uh, football is never going to give up on their strong their stronghold because that's what that's ncaa true. basketball tried to get the right, NCAA, right. In a, ncaa football and the nfl have a they have a two-headed interest they have the interest of being entertaining at the nfl level and entertaining at the college level. So they can argue that, oh, you 19-year-old out of high school, you are not physically ready for this next lead, and here's the proof. Here's the science behind it. Here's just the sheer size of your incoming freshman. The five-star quarterback out of Texas is like 6'3", 199. Yeah, you're not ready to stand in the pocket and let like, I know imagine Bryce, Smith come through unblocked like come imagine on. freshman Bryce Young in the NFL fresh out of modern day <laughs> from California now he get drafted by the Rams and Aaron Donald hits you at practice it's a wrap yeah yeah you know, so, so I, so I get that, that part argument. of it yeah. yeah I get that part yeah, of and it. they're not going to give that up but, but that's but that's the advantage that like a league like the G League has, you know, over a league like this. But this league is also like the G League is presented as a developmental league. We're building these players up with the intention of possibly making NBA rosters at some point. Like the XFL is almost I don't call them an equal, but but you know, but it's almost like we're on the same footing as the NFL. We are a professional league already, you know. So but think about this. The XFL is on TV. We're talking about it on our podcast. It's entertaining. It's getting former players. I'm not sure how many G League teams are getting Saturday afternoon spots. No, this but is I true. Because we love football, we being Americana, we love football so much. 
if you put it on at the right time with just enough games, we'll rock with it. Eight games? I could do eight. I could do well, eight. See, weeks. But, but see, I, that's I something that's a concern. Between free agency and then the NBA playoffs ramping up, where they got a couple of rounds of the playoffs for the XFL, and then boom, championship in San Antonio, and they're out of there. They're flashing a pan. And, and see, but see, that's another, that's another concern. That's another concern that I have. Like, you know, we talk about college sports, you know, uh, March Madness. You know, these dudes, Iona, Rick Patino looks good, gets called by St. John's and he's gone. You know, like we're looking at the G League, you know, the NBA, you know, they just hired uh, OKC has the coach that came from the Oklahoma City Blue and, you know, Jerry Stackhouse came from the G League and is now coaching at Vanderbilt. So these guys like Rod Woodson start getting call-ups from the NFL, you know, are they going to turn the NFL down to stay in the XFL? Probably not. I don't not. think – I'm, I'm not sure. But if you think about that, if you if you just look at, like, the coaches, they probably pick this particular time of the year because it's less time unless you have head coaching aspirations to be in the NFL. But I think that was the case. You would just call up a former defensive coordinator or a former offensive coordinator or a former wide receivers coach and say, hey, let me get on your staff so I can build up my name. Because is someone going to look at the XFL championship as a reason to try to bring a guy up? Unlikely. Well, not maybe maybe not necessarily to a head coaching position per se, but I imagine that if you're an XFL coach and an NFL team offers you, say, an offensive coordinator position, I imagine your salary is still going to be double to three times what you were making in oh, the yeah. XFL yeah. as a head yeah, it's coach. Gonna be a yeah, it's going to skyrocket for sure. Yeah, so, 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 that, so that would be my concern as far as the feasibility because, you know, I started off my part of the discussion with, the names associated with the league, you know, but those type of names, not necessarily those specific names, but those type of names have to be associated with the league for it to go forward, I believe. Yes. You know, so, so that's, you know, that's just what I was thinking about that. But speaking of names, you know, I was looking for Jimmy Butler to come out here tonight and, you know, lay his stamp out here and say, y'all saw me because, you know, I call him Jimmy Bubbles because he never because, <laughs> you know, everybody wants to put the asterisks by the Lakers name in their championship. I don't do that, but people do that. But Jimmy Butler, I ain't never seen Jimmy Butler like I seen Jimmy Butler in the bubble. You know, I ain't never seen Jamal Berry like I seen Jamal Berry in the bubble. Man, I haven't seen him at all. But Raph. We got some playoff matchups now. We got some seeds. We got some matchups. So before we get into these breakdowns real quick, you know, is there a matchup that we currently have? Because obviously we, we're waiting for the play-in to wrap up. But is there a matchup right now that we have that stands out to you? Uh, I know this is probably chalk, but Kings-Warriors is a big one, especially after I saw that I re-watched the clip of what Draymond said on the shop early this year before the season started, like essentially I'm paraphrasing. He was like, I can't really get up and, and, and get my engine going for the terrible teams like the Kings or OKC or something like that. He was like, if Giannis is coming to town, if LeBron's coming to town, I can, I can get up for that. 
but he was like, I can't really get up for the Kings. And then it rolls right into the fact that they're the six seed <laughs> and the Kings are the three seed. And now he's he he better get that engine going. He better be ready to go. So I like that one. I like Brooklyn Philly. Um, I don't think there's gonna be I want to say there won't be any upsets, but I think that's too easy because somebody has to somebody has to get a break. A, a five, I don't know if a five four is an upset. Um so six three, six three, seven two, eight one. Are those you know those six on each side? I I don't I don't see any of them actually losing. I know people want to believe that the Lakers can beat Memphis, but the Lakers got to get seven because they're in a the play-in. They have to play for the play-in. So like, yeah, everyone's hot and everyone's live, but is it sustainable? I don't really think so. I think Brooklyn, Philly. I think that might that could be intriguing if we get the James Harden post MVP playoff. James Harden, where he just kind of disappears. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to wish any ill will on anybody, but you know, someone's going to tweak a hamstring, someone's going to roll an ankle of any one of these teams. It just depends on does Kawhi tweak an ankle and now they're playing without Paul George for a couple of games? Does, you know, Draymond get two technicals and get suspended for a game? Does he throw a punch? Uh, does John Morant celebrate too much? And one of the nights, and now he's not allowed to play in the next game. I mean, like all these things could happen. So I just don't think I think it's on the court. You're gonna get one. You it might be possible that one, two, three, and four in each conference went up. Well, you know, if if we get uh, Lakers Memphis, you know, there's always the the Shannon Sharp conundrum. But uh, you know, I'm actually <laughs> interested. <laughs> I'm actually if if New Orleans gets in. I'm actually excited to see who they match up with. Cause you know, they gave Phoenix a little run last year in the first round. So, you know, can new Orleans, are they young enough to keep up with Memphis? You know, are they talented enough to give Denver issues? You know, if they end up as the eight, you know, so from that standpoint, you know, I look at it that way, but also um, the Knicks and Cavs, I think has the ability to be the best series overall just because I think that they, they're they just not necessarily evenly matched, but the Knicks are a lot better than I like to give them credit for. You the know, Knicks and I'm are looking... probably going to get swept. Not because <laughs> I think they're bad. Not, not, because, not because I think they're bad or anything like that. I just think that everyone is banking on that being the best playoff series of all the ones we get. But, but you know what? Kind of out of the eight, out of the eight, what was that the – Four in each conference out of the eight that we get, aside from the play-in, everyone's looking at that one as the most intriguing one because the rest of them seem to be one, two, three, and four in the West. Everyone, I think everyone just believes that those are going to be the winners. The only well, one you know that's, what? that's somewhat in doubt realistically is Knicks Cavs. Real and I real, think real, everyone's hoping that's gonna be a good one. It's it could suck. Real <laughs> real is. sports. Real Sports 365 got me intrigued, right? Because, like, somebody used the uh, phrase, playoff Kawhi. And my retort to that was, like, what I remember about playoff Kawhi is blowing a 3-1 in the bubble against Denver, 
you know, getting hurt in Paul George leading the Clippers to their first ever Western Conference Finals, you know, giving up 40 points to Luka for like a whole series, even though he's like God's right. gift to defense, you know, and then you and then last year, you know, they went out un, very unceremoniously. So I'm like, first of all, I get he's from L.A., but the basketball move for Kawhi was probably to stay in Toronto with the X-Men, you know, but, you know, that's just me. So I'm excited to kind of see this series. I hope Paul George does come back to make it even more exciting. But we saw Paul George lead teams without Kawhi, you know, back when he was in Indiana, got to the conference finals. You know, I mentioned he took the Clippers to the conference finals once Kawhi got had, had had the heatles on the rope. Yeah, I want to see Kawhi now. Let, let, let me see Kawhi without Paul. Let, let's see what this looks like. Because, you know, because you, you know we talk about LeBron being old and all that stuff like that. I don't know how much knee life Kawhi got left. You know, he looks good this season. You know, but he's just going to Todd Gurley one day. You know, and, and I'm, you know, so there ain't, there ain't many yeah, years left. Yeah, there, there, ain't, there ain't many knees left. But let's get to this. So all right, so uh, so we'll start off. We'll start off in the east. We'll, we'll we'll go geography style. We'll start off in the east. We'll start at the bottom with Knicks Cavs. So so you really think that the that the Knicks could get swept? I'm not saying I, I. It's not because I think they won't play well. It's just because everyone I see every pundit that I'm talking to, and if you look at all how it breaks down, you have Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell. Mobley, I mean, Julius Randle, you have Madison Square Garden, everything. You got everything kind of set up to where it could be like this great series. And that's the only real hope. Everything else seems to have a reason why the top team is going to beat the other team, except for this one. And I think that that makes it the most intriguing. I hope it goes seven because I think this is going to be the most intriguing series. I think the rest of the series is going to be pretty much a lot of teams winning in five or six in this first round six being a stretch um even like i said i hate to doubt the lakers i just think that it's only so much energy you have and if you've been ramped up since february and now you're playing a team that basically just even with all the controversy memphis had they still easily cleared 50 wins no, like it's only so long. It's only so they long. Fight. Could pretend. I mean, they had every everyone's talking about Dylan Brooks and John Morant and all, but it's like they still go out there and win. Last year without Ja, they were twenty and two, and they gave you know Golden State everything they can handle. I'm just not sure how how much, and I I want I want you know for the Lakers to win the first round because I think it's intriguing for. LeBron, I like watching them play. Not wanting a, like a person, like, oh, I really want them to win. I just think it's dope. I just think it would be a dope thing for someone playing this long to advance. But being realistic, it's unlikely. Because everything else is going to be everything else is going to be chalk, man. It's going to be one, two, three, and four. One, two, three, and four. Come on, Raph. That's what Come I on, think. Raph. So Come if, on, Raph. Don't, don't be one of those people. No, be I don't one of those think people. they're going to win. I asked you about Knicks, Cavs, and you're going to sit up here and talk about LeBron for five minutes? I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about all of it because – Well, I'm talking about Knicks, Cavs. 
Knicks Cavs <laughs> is going to be we exciting. We will get to the Lakers. We will, will get both to the Lakers in the second round. We will get like, to the Lakers. These like, these so, playoffs are going to be boring. All right, so I got I got Cavs. <laughs> I like six. a better word. I got Cavs in six because uh, I looked at this matchup as who do you trust more, the Cleveland backcourt or the Cleveland or uh, the Knicks frontcourt. And I don't trust Julius Randle as far as I can throw him, and I can't throw him very far to begin with. Well, you know, but Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs, though. Well, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has played good in the playoffs. He I hasn't had it. much since that that fifty you, you, point you know, bubble, and they it, blew that three one lead. And you know, that's still more than what I've seen from Julius Randle in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, you you and, you keep taking your and, firing off at and, Julius and, you know, Randle. But there's also, but there's also, I love Evan Mobley. That's my guy, you know. But as far as the backcourt goes, Garland's nothing. Garland's not, you know. Darius Garland is pretty good as well, you know. And you know, the Knicks have Emmanuel quickly, you know, UK Wildcat and all that, you know. <laughs> but a lot of these Nick, but a lot of these Knicks haven't necessarily been in these moments per se. Whereas, you know, Jared Allen, you know, played for Brooklyn when they the little playoff run a couple of years ago. So like. They, they, so some of these guys have been here. Thibodeau so also for an underachieving Brooklyn team would have been like, oh, that experience. was overachieved. It's experience, you know what I mean. But also, uh, with that being said, the the Cavs have the number one ranked defense in points per game, you know, and they're second in what they hold opponents to on the boards. So. The Knicks are going to miss a lot of shots and probably not going to grab a lot of rebounds. So that's why I can't necessarily pick them to win the series. But I think they have an teams explosion. Do flame out in the playoffs. Yeah, like like they they, they, they they're play worn so out. ramped up all the time. Yeah, so, so so I can see that. Like I agree with that. So you said earlier that uh, you think Brooklyn could give Philly a series. I said that because I think. Like I've probably used this term before, this phrase before. I think Brooklyn's playing with house money. I think they're a team that I think people feel people feel sorry for Brooklyn because they underachieve with James Harden, KD, and Kyrie. Publicly, the pundits, no one's killing the Sean Marks or Joe Side. They're all like, you know what? You had to do what you had to do. You know, Kyrie was doing this, and KD was always hurt. When they were on the floor together, it was so great. And I think people just kind of give them the sympathy pass, like the way people used to get a pass to KD back in the day when we were talking about this a while ago. I'm like, pre-2016 uh-huh. and previous KD got the passes. Brooklyn's getting those passes, so I think they have a young team. They got nothing to lose. No one's expecting them to win. I think that series can be entertaining because I think they might steal one. Because sometimes Philly, you know, we talked about, you know, what you're talking about Doc Rivers' struggles here. You have the, those numbers. But I think a team like Brooklyn, nothing to lose, young, bunch of guys got traded, and then you have a, a vet like Dinwiddie, you know, Dora Finney-Smith. You just have these guys that can just – they just play basketball well. And as Mikel Bridges came on, and I think that – his emergence, and if you can get, if you get Cam in the game, I know he don't play defense, but let him get in there and fire up 10 threes. He goes six for 10, got 18 points right there off the bench. If yeah, his plus minus is plus four, you're good to go. See, see, that's the thing about coaching, right? Like, 
you got to follow patterns, trends. You got to use what works. I think Jock Vaughn has done an exceptional job this season. But if there was the thing to criticize him about is that I would criticize him about Cam Thomas. I mean, the guy has three or four 40-point games. And when he plays every six or seven games, like he finished the season. I mean, granted, they lost by 29, but he finished the last game of the season with 46 points. So, you know, you can't keep that kind of guy on the bench, especially against a team like Philly, who, you know, they have him beat and go off for 40. You know, Harden could get you still, he could still get you 30 on a good on a good night. Maxi can get you, you know, 25 to 30, like an A game. You know, and of course, you know what Philly. I, I'm still waiting for Tobias Harris to show up for a series. You yeah, know, like he doesn't get that check. Yeah, he's not as good as James Harden, so he doesn't get the criticism. But I'm waiting for him to show up for a series. And ladies and gentlemen, the Atlanta Hawks have beat the Miami Heat. You know, went went to Miami and put something on them. So Miami there you can't go. Score. Yeah, Miami can't score. But but also, you know. Um, Brooklyn just, to me, Brooklyn just doesn't have enough people that can create their own offense. Like Mikael Bridges is his trajectory is going to where people are trying to put Kawhi. Like he's having that like impactful defender that who knew if you give him the ball, he's a basketball player and he's actually pretty good at this. So, you know, so I think that two, three years from now, Mikael Bridges, like when we look back at this deal, we're going to say like, Wow, Brooklyn really made out. But oh, if I that's Brooklyn, the case, then Brooklyn will butcher it and he'll be somewhere else by the midseason. <laughs> so so I give Brooklyn a, I give Brooklyn a game in this series. But if you're Brooklyn, all you gotta do is fall down three one and you got the Sixers right where you want them because Doc Rivers has blown not one, not LeBron style, not one, not two. He's blown three. 3-1 leads in the playoffs. And I know it's a team sport. I know that the players play, but you're associated with that. So, you know, uh, so I don't think that'll bite them in this series, but playing Boston in the second round, keep an eye on that, you know. But I think Brooklyn, I think this will be that series where Brooklyn might lose every game by four to seven points. So so they 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 show out well. But they just don't have enough to get over the top. I think Embiid's going to call his number. You know, he's going to average about 31 and 14, something along those lines. So as long as Harden doesn't pull his disappearing act, I think Philly should move safely into the When did they announce the MVP? Usually not until right before the Western Conference Finals. It's a while? Okay. Or I mean, I'm sorry, so the Conference Finals. Yeah, right, right before the Conference Finals. Okay, you know, so we'll um, see, we'll see. You know, but also where Brooklyn may be in trouble, is that Philly is number one in the league in free throw percentage at 83.5%. And not only that, but Joel Embiid is number two in free throw attempts per game. And Harden is still top 15 in free throws per game. So they got to keep Philly off the free throw line because that'll just give Philly free points to build leagues and crush momentum and all that stuff like that. So, but, 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 but I got Philly in five, you know, um, so we'll skip over Boston and uh, Milwaukee for now because I think it's safe to assume that we think they're going to win their first-round series no matter who they play against yep. and probably pretty easily at that. So let's transition to the West for a second, and let's talk about it, bro. Like, I'm going to skip 4-5 for a second. 
Let's talk about it. Draymond don't want to get up for the war. I mean, for the Kings, but I need the Warriors to get up for a road game before they start facing a 0-2 hole. Eleven and thirty on the road. Yeah, only two teams, two or three teams have worse records, and those teams were tanking for by Yama. So, so do just, the Kings have a chance? Absolutely, they have a chance because they 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 played better all year. They have two All Pro caliber basketball players. They have the coach of the year, Mike Brown, who has playoff experience. And they have an advantage over Golden State because Golden State can't play on the road. Even though I don't know how road road this really is, Sacramento and San Francisco is pretty close. It's not that far. So I don't know if, like, I don't even know if you really have to stay at the hotel. Do you travel from home? Like, it just depends on what side of the bay you live on. Maybe they have to travel to a hotel, stay in a hotel overnight, whatever the case may be. But I think Sacramento, yes, they are in the bottom third of the defensive stats. A couple of stats, like th- like three-point percentage allowed, two-point percentage allowed, points allowed. But they have players on offensive end that can outrun and outgun you. And sometimes that might be the case. If it gets down to where the referees are just basically holding the whistle and blowing foul call after foul call and keeping the game slow, then they might be in trouble. But you can't do that for four, five, six, seven games. It might be a couple of games where the whistle does impact the game and making smart defensive adjustments is going to have to occur. That's where you get Mike Brown. He's not inept at you know making these, these kind of calls. He's a good quality NBA coach who was his own head coach, bounced around, spent some years with Golden State. He knows the system. He knows the players. He knows what they like. He knows their sweet spots. So even if, you're, if your team isn't good defensively, at least you can say, hey, when Clay gets to here, these are the two things he likes to do the most. When Steph does this, he likes to do this. Draymond will not shoot from this part of the floor. Give him this, whatever the case may be, because he has – some information granted but people change but i think he has i think that advantage does give them an overall advantage and on top of the fact that they're 11 30 in the yeah i'm picking it i'm picking oh, the, the kings of the warriors ladies and gentlemen yo i it's mad it's like it seems exciting because the names from five to eight are like the teams we thought were going to be one through four maybe if you mix in the Suns, people probably thought the Suns would be in there. But for the most part, Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and people thought the Timberwolves probably going to take a next step. They probably thought those those teams were going to be one through four, maybe five. But the fact that they're five, six, seven, eight, that's the shocking part. But the reason they're five, six, seven, eight is the way that they played all year. So I'm going to give only- credit to the team that played well all year against a team that hasn't played well in a row. When one team has four games at home. The only step the Timberwolves are taking are into the heavyweight division. You know, so yeah. like, you know, Rudy Gobert and Anthony Joshua, baby, coming soon to a thing. <laughs> but but that you know, no, punch. You got to hit them right here. A, people always want to hit people in the face. They can't breathe. They can't fight, man. That's how you start so, a fight. You hit them in the solar plex. So I do agree. I do agree that Sacramento um, has a chance. I'm not picking it. I'm picking Golden State in seven, you know, because simply, and yeah, nostalgia, all that good stuff. 
They got Clay and Steph and Sacramento don't. It's just that simple for me. What I'm afraid of, you talked about the defense. What I'm afraid of. I'm listening. I'm just that, writing something down. I want to say when you okay. I, yeah, yeah. So, 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 like, uh, what I'm afraid of is that Sabonis is going to turn into Jokic, and Golden State is just going to pick on him, put him in foul trouble. He's going to sit on the bench a lot during this series just because he's going to be in foul trouble. So that scares me for him. But what I'm excited about is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a couple a month ago or so, 176 to 175 against the Clippers. Yeah, we got a chance to get that in one of these playoff games. You know, both teams are top three in points per game. They're top three in assists. You know, so the one thing that could bite the Warriors is they play with their food too much. You know, like a lot of times the Warrior has, as a championship pedigree type team, they have their chance to put their foot on your necks and they don't for some reason. Like there's always a game in a series where Steph suddenly goes four for 14 or something along those lines. And it's like always at a very pivotal, like you always have in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. And you always hear me talk about game seven against the Cavs. That dumbass pass behind the still, back pass that I still haven't forgiven him he's, for. He man, he's you know still what I mean? mad about that. <laughs> you know, Golden State did win the season series three games to one. You know, not that that truly matters, but just throwing that out there. You know, uh, I think that De'Aaron Fox is not going to be afraid of the moment. Like, you know, he strikes me as the guy that's going to relish in this moment. He's going to want to make a statement. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, I was telling somebody, if you want to see the best of Kyrie Irving, put Steph on the other side of the court. You know, for some reason, when Kyrie sees Steph, his eyes light up like a kid on Christmas. So I think De'Aaron Fox is going to look across the court. They may put Clay on him. Yeah, they may put Clay on him, but Clay's not the defender that he once was due to his He's like quick. weak mobility now. That's a Kamiga. You know? That's a Kamiga move. But the other thing, you know, Wiggins is back, so now you got to try to fit him in chemistry wise again. But the key to this series is the turnover source Rex, known as Jordan Poole. You know, if he can hold on to the ball. Golden State will be fine. If he plays anything like he's played during this regular season, all bets are off and Sacramento can make them pay. Sacramento gets one game at the Chase Center. Okay. And they they win this series. Because I think the four home games that they get, the Warriors were – they were bad on the road – and I think they were like seven and twenty-one. And I was like, yo, they got a chance to turn it around. Ooh. And they still only won four more games. It's like they never figured out how to win outside of their home arena. And right. I think that's huge, especially in the playoffs. The fans would be crazy. Sacramento, when Sacramento's good, it's chaos in this in the arena. I mean, the Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, Vladi Divas, Pedro Tyakovich, kind of crazy. Rick Allen, kind of crazy. Tim Donahue giving the game up, kind of crazy. So these fans are, are hungry for that. The turnovers ruin momentum. You know Jordan Poole likes to shoot. He fashions himself as a poor man, Steph Curry, because he's shooting and, he, and he's operating the same way. He's more like and, a poor man, Seth Curry. So I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know. I don't know if you need additional motivation. Like I said, I saw the video today. 
uh-huh. with Draymond talking about, I don't get up for the Kings. Maybe they play that in the locker room. Maybe oh, someone sharing that would even even before he said that the Kings were going to get up for them. Yeah, but th- like I said, this was like an old, that was a clip from the beginning of the year before the season right, started. Right, right. I mean, so it was like, does that? I want to say extra motivation because I don't. I don't think team need extra motivation, but does that add to it? Is that another focus? Do you maybe you try to get them in technical foul trouble, whatever the case may well, be? I just think just, that their just, their bad just, road record. Is is the thing I think is going to be their Achilles heel. So, so just a quick point of reference: in the four games against Sacramento this year, Steph Steph averaged thirty three points. Conversely, De'Aaron Fox averaged twenty five and eight, and Sabonis Sabonis twenty one and seventeen against the Warriors. So, so now, what you do? You put Looney on him. You put Draymond on him. Looney might be too slow. You know, uh, you know, Draymond, like, it's probably the assignment, I would think. And now we get to find out. We get the real – because I like Keegan Murray. You know, he broke the rookie record for three-pointers, you know, this season. Yeah, that Donovan only rookie Mitchell ever for 200. Yep. But what I'm interested to see, because, you know, we were talking about this, the NBA got the storylines. You know, can Harrison Barnes hit a mid-range jumper yet? If he would have hit two in 2016, <laughs> Cleveland doesn't win. If he would have gone two for whatever he went, I don't know if he went two. He might have went two for 12. If he goes four for 12, then they have five rings and LeBron has two. Yeah, they're I don't, chasing I don't the think he goes anywhere else and gets any more rings. I think he's like, you know what, I'm done. I can't do but, but that's but that's just another point of reference. How motivated is he potentially for this series? Because you know, I don't know, you know, what his career looks like. I know like he didn't really maximize the potential that people originally thought that he had. So this he may be one of from Dallas on the bench, right? Yeah. He went to Dallas. Like, I don't think he ever played for him. I think he just or, or like they he didn't play very much. Game. Yeah. They traded so, him. He was on the bench in a uniform and he got the message a la Josh Hart. And he got yeah. traded in the game. But 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 is he extra motivated in this series potentially? I think like I said, I think the Kings are looking at it like, yeah, we've been good all year. No questions from us, no drama, no problems. We've just been consistently good all year. We have a very level-headed coach. We have we have players in position where they can succeed. Keegan Murray is a shooter. That's what he does. Marvin Bagley, rebounder. Harrison Barnes, savvy veteran. De'Aaron Fox, your offensive clutch player, Sabonis, your versatile stretch four or five, however you want to play them. You have people in the right position, you can succeed. Golden State yeah. still has to figure well, out. How I to mean, get if they still, if they still had, if they still had Marvin Bagley, then yeah, you know what I mean. But you know, like, and that would be good, but. You know, yeah. since they don't but like just like all just one like less the, rebounder, the way, but just the way the way they just the, like I said, the way they play, they've always they played, they've had guys all year long stay in their stay in their roles and succeed. Hey, so 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 you remember um what I just said a few minutes ago about Doc Rivers, right? What's up? What we got? So uh Mr. Chris Paul. Only player in NBA history to blow five two oh leads in a series. Only NBA player to ever blow four 2-0 leads in a series. Everybody keep telling me Phoenix is the favorite. 
Clippers got a shot? Not healthy. Healthy, healthy sons and missing Paul George Clippers. No. Just because what? you're because you have is just the Phoenix Big Four. People should be a little <laughs> bit more excited about them because I don't care what, how people feel about Aiden. Pursuit what pursuit of happiness. Him, <laughs> him being your fourth option. And he doesn't really seem I know he, like last year they had like the little dust up on the sideline and then his contract negotiation kind of went a little wonky. But essentially, you can get 16 and 12 out of him by just lob passes, bounce passes from Chris Ball, put back dunks off of rebounds. You get a ball to Booker. Now you have to put your second best defender on Booker. Like you simply have to do it. So you put your second best defender on Booker. Now you got to put your best defender on KD. If your best defender isn't 6-7, I mean, how effective can they be? If your best defender that you decide to put on KD is Kawhi, how effective are you as a team offensively if Kawhi has to guard KD? Um, And then Chris Paul, say what you want about Chris Paul. He is an old man, but he's played like an old man since college. (laughs) Like he's, he's played slow. He's played with the hip. He's played getting fouled. He's played... I mean, he's played, you know, a couple of dirty hits here and there. He's played like the old man. <coughs> now he just happens to be old. So it's not like he has to adjust his game. He literally mid-range jumpers. He's not trying to beat you off the dribble. He's trying to beat you to the free throw line extended. So the fact that they all play that way, and then you have KD who is essentially unguardable. So if he's on, what are you going to do? Because he can also play defense. Even if he doesn't play that hard on defense, just length already. The fact that whoever he's guard, if someone's guarding him, they're going to be exhausted on the offense on their on their defensive end. They're going to come back up, and now you got seven foot tall KD also guarding you, and then you got eight behind him. So it's just like I think they just have too many weapons. And considering that Paul George is injured, even if he comes back in the series, he's coming back off an injury. So I mean, like I'm gonna go ahead and give Phoenix this. Uh, if it's six, I say six, just to be you know respectful to the ratings. Well, you know, <laughs> well, you know, uh, Phoenix, or I'm sorry, the Clippers got to hit Phoenix with that Tupac. You know that we bomb first when we ride because the three pointer is the equalizer. You know they went and got Eric Gordon, they went and got Bones Highland. Those guys have to prove their worth. You know, uh, Russ. Has to put that pressure, that old man I pressure. I forgot about Russ. Yeah, yeah, you can't play him in late game situations. You, you can't. But early in the game, you could wear Chris Paul down a little bit if he's chasing Russ around. Like you might switch him off and all that kind of stuff like that. But if you could keep Chris Paul on his heels early, you affect his legs later. But but Check you know, it out. But, if you let if you let Russ shoot two or three open threes and he goes zero for three, you're gonna have a great game because you wonder why. He's going to try to make up for the fact that he went 0 for 3 from 3 on his first three threes that you left him open <laughs> on. And he's going to keep firing away. It's, it's his time with the Lakers versus his time with the Clippers is basically the same. The percentage is the same. I think his three-point shooting has gone up. 
substantially. Yeah, but... he actually he actually finished the season like slightly <laughs> better than turnover source pool from three point range. But you know, but but like yeah. this is the thing: like the Clippers have to hit their threes because Kawhi needs all the help he can get. I don't know when Paul George is coming back. At the very least, he's going to miss game one. I probably expect him to miss the first two games and maybe play when they get back to LA if he does come back. So if they get Paul, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If they get Paul George back, then I see the six, you know, game six. If if not, then it's probably five because I think Kawhi is just gonna have to do too much because not only is he gonna have to potentially guard KD, and then when Booker get hot, he's gonna have to slide over. But he's also gonna like I talked about Mikael Bridges having to average 34. I'm not saying Kawhi has to average 34, but he's probably gonna have to average 29. He's probably gonna have to grab 10 boards. He might have to average five or six assists and as well. He's never done that. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's never he's never gonna do that. That's what that's I'm saying. And, and, that's why they, and that's why I, don't I got think... Phoenix in five. <laughs> but that's why, but I that's would, why I think they can't you know win what? this series. I'm gonna go sweep. That's Sons why and four. Okay. like oh okay. boy, they got in a fight in the in the stands. I don't want to yeah. big them up because they seem to, you know, certain yeah. demographics get nah, to highlight I'm give, their I'm gonna violence. give Kawhi, I'm gonna give Kawhi a game, but you know what I mean? But yeah, like I like I said, I think that he's just gonna do too much. And by the way, not that it truly matters, but just point of reference, Phoenix hasn't lost a game with Kevin Durant in the lineup yet. You know, so I don't know I mean, if the Suns are the favorite. That's, that's not a small thing. I think that 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 speaks to what he is, what he brings to your team. That's why I'm not sure why people weren't more livid with the trade because uh-huh. he could have like Brooklyn. We get it. You had the big three. You guys failed. But why you jam up the rest of the NBA by sending KD to the team that just went to the finals a couple years ago? You could have oh, sent them back to OKC. Oh, and side note real quick. We're under a way in Los Angeles. Carl yeah, I'm Anthony like, actually, Towns. I'm about 30 seconds behind you. Carl Anthony Towns. As a Kentucky Wildcat fan, I know what you are capable of. Wayne, that's the same thing AD. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I believe in you, if you don't believe in you. Man, cut this out. Cut this no. out. Why are you not rooting for the Wildcat that plays for the Lakers? Because he, he wears because he wears gripping urine. That's why I like <laughs> you know, been hating the Lakers since 88, baby. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, you know, um, so then you so you got those two series going on. So let's just go ahead and let's just go ahead and play along with it. So the Lakers end up at seven or eight. Like, we'll just play a quick game. Seven or eight. Do they have the better chance against Memphis or Denver? Memphis, because Memphis lost their in, some of their interior defense. I mean, they still got Triple J, but no Steven Adams. Uh, the other guy. Uh, Clark. Brent, yeah, Brandon yeah. Clark. He's out. So I think. Oh, LeBron AD. looking short on that jumper. Uh, well, DeAndre uh, D'Angelo Russell was long in his first one, so like I said, I'm probably I'm at 11:36. I think you probably got All me right. by a little I'm bit. I'm a chill. I'm a chill, but you know, I'm just you know, I just yeah. had to throw that out there real quick. But but yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I just think that I think that AD playing like the player of the month that he get, was awarded in uh, the month of March. I think that's. 
that can maybe give Memphis some trouble. But I, I think the Lakers just I don't know. I just I don't really feel like I don't know if they have enough. I don't know if they have like all the pieces consistently. I think they have pieces and I'm not sure if Austin Reeves is going to be able to get you 20 points and six assists and play tough defense. Well, I wonder about the entirety wonder, of the playoffs. I wonder if it's Denver because Memphis at least has Ja Morant who can, you know, go get 30 on a given night and put pressure on your defense since he's the primary ball handler. It's something you said a couple of episodes ago stood out to me. We were talking about uh, who's the MVP. And you said something along the lines of like, you know, hey, Giannis can go get 40 and put me on his back. And, you know, and B can go get me 40 and put it on, you know, like not that Jokic can't do that. Backpack players. Yeah, not that Jokic, not that Jokic, not that Jokic can't do that. But I view Jokic like as a Chris Paul, you know, even though he's a center, I look at him like a Chris Paul. If Chris Paul got 35 points, you want that. You know, if Jokic got 35 points, you want that. Yeah, and 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 just going back to the bubble, I can't shake, I can't shake Jokic struggling with AD the way that he was, you know. So like so from that standpoint, that's where I could see the Lakers giving Denver a little bit more trouble. Like Denver's deeper. Jokic in the bubble, but Jokic did something in that co- in that break for COVID. He came back lighter, like thinner. Like he yeah, lost but he ain't got three months of off this time. <laughs> he, I don't think he, I don't think he does that anymore. I think he yeah, put the weight so, back on and said, "I'm keeping that weight because he got probably got bounced around by." So, so that's why I think he it's came Denver. back. Everyone was like, "Whoa!" So yeah, that, that's that's why I think it's Denver because because I mentioned Jamal Murray. Like I haven't seen that Jamal Murray since the bubble. Like unless that Jamal Murray shows up, Denver's not scary. And you know, speaking of that Jamal Murray, I haven't seen air quotes that Odell Beckham in a few years, but the Ravens obviously see something that I don't see. Is it desperation? What's the, what, what's the deal, Raph? Baby, come back. <laughs> you put all on me. That's what they're singing to Lamar right now. Woo! Call Anthony Towns. I was wrong. And bootleg bootleg like, Will Smith. We will... Uh, we will pay Lamar come back to the table. We went and got you Nelson Aguilar, got you Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, credit Rich Rich Eisen. He said, "Keep this thing going. Call Arizona and see what they want for DeAndre Hopkins." He was like, "Just go for it." He's like, "You know, you have a small window to do things. Go for it." Personally, I don't know if you. I mean, how you make that work. They do have a new passing offensive scheme with their new offensive coordinator, which you're gonna need wide receivers. Odell Beckham's contract, though, it's 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 quirky. It's quirky. It's it's 13 million at signing. His big yeah, salary heard, is like 1.1. Yeah, it's fifth. The salary 15 is 15. Guaranteed. Yeah. But and he got 13. He got 13 million when he signed. Uh-huh. So that was guaranteed. So now the season is going to get like one point one point one eight five million or something like that. 
I don't know why they pay that much, but like I said, a lot of guys are getting one-year deals. People can look at it like a show-me deal, but I can't I can't think of a team that was going to give him probably more than 10. Cause I was saying, cause I was talking, like I was talking to my dad. I'm like, yo, two years, 20 million guaranteed, 14 of it. I think somebody would give him that deal. And it wasn't happening. They said it was rumored that he would want it like 20 million. Um, but Baltimore seems to be doing everything they can to try to convince Lamar to come and play for them. Short of doing the one thing that can guarantee that he will come <laughs> back and play for them. Just cut the check. Do the math. Figure it out. Cut the check. If you have, you can't convince me to come back by cutting my money. (laughs) Listen, and we're gonna give you thirteen million dollars less if you would have just given the other franchise tag. Maybe he comes back for forty-five million, but by giving him the non-exclusive one, you give him thirty-two and a half, and you basically parade him around the league. Like, look, see, they don't want you. They don't want you. They don't want you. They don't want you. These people put out a statement saying they don't want you. You might as well come back to us. And they're like, okay, cool. We'll give Odell Beckham 15 million because we're going to save 50 because we're not, they're not going to give him the guaranteed money he wants. So it looks like yeah. they're overspending, but they're like, yo, no, we're not because we're not going to give right, him so, the money he's asking for. So I got three questions for you. You know, question number one. What version of Odell do we get? I think you get. Ooh, that's a nice one. I think you get. I think you get a. Like a good Giants Odell Beckham. I don't think because he it wasn't he he's not one of these players that's out of shape. He's always in shape. He's always working out. Granted, the last couple of years, he has been rehabbing. And we can't just be like, oh, that doesn't matter. But we did the math. Last February, so February 2022 is when he got injured. We figured he figured he went to surgery in February. And he rehabbed for the 2022 calendar year. And now you're getting them on another offseason. Where a lot of guys have rehabbed in one offseason. So now he's working, he's working out, chip on his shoulder. Maybe it's a little bit more for him to, you know, prove. And he's working, hopefully he gets working with Lamar. I think you can get about 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns out of him. All right, question number two. You've been talking about we ain't going to see Lamar until week 10 anyway. So does Odell bump up that timeline? I think he does. And I think someone's got look in order for a business deal to be a good business deal, somebody has to walk away somewhat unhappy. Both people have to walk away unhappy. Because if you get everything you want, then that means the other person didn't get everything they wanted and it's going to be some friction. Someone's going to have to give up. They're going to have to compromise something. Like, listen, we don't want to give you more than 130 million guaranteed. You want this much. Arbitrate that. Like, listen, let's go 180. Because 180 might be higher than the number they want to go. But we'll go 180 guaranteed and we'll throw some incentives on the end. We're not going to have you sign a team-friendly Patrick Mahomes kind of deal. 
rumor has it that Burrow and even Herbert might want would take that same kind of deal. Like, now nah, we're gonna give you five years, 240, 180 guaranteed. Can we can we do that? And if and if and if he can if he can come to that, I think they're good to go. But someone's gonna have to give up the number that they want and come with the best number that makes sense for the team because you're spending all this money on wide receivers. You spent money on linebackers. You can't go into week one with Tyler Huntley, who's I like him. Went to the you know went to University of Utah. But pro you can't bowler. Go, pro bowler, but you can't go into the <laughs> season with him when you have Lamar Jackson available to you. That's a difference. Question number three. Are we really going to get to the draft without somebody offering him something? Like, I know all these teams are saying that they don't want him you know, or whatever. There's these reports out there. And, you know, you got Stroud, you got Young, you got Levis, you got Richardson. There's going to be a team out there that doesn't get any of those four. Um. I want to say somebody has to offer, but it also seems to be a concerted effort. I'm not saying collusion because that's hard. To I do. am. It has to be a concerted effort that we as a organization, whoever we is, and insert any team name that needs a quarterback or would like to have Lamar, we cannot give the Cleveland deal to Lamar because these other teams that have young quarterbacks that are coming up, they don't want to do it. So you have Herbert's Burrow deal. Who else is Hurts? His deal is coming up. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tua after next season. Uh, so you have, like just those five. So that's five different ownership groups that are like, listen, we don't want to pay this guaranteed money, but if you do it, we're gonna have to do it. And if another team does it, you know, it just. I think the commotion of all of that is is kind of holding people back. Yeah, right now we can just let I don't think Cleveland look make like Cleveland. Deal. Yeah, right now yeah, we can just let Cleveland look like Cleveland. That's all it is. Yeah, pretty much. You, and I think oh, so, we're going to make Cleveland look like they made a bad deal. I think Boston, Baltimore will offer him someone's going to each I think each one of them is going to come off their number. So I don't know I if don't, it takes the draft to do that or what. So I don't smell teams teen spirit i smell desperation you know but not desperation for the reasons that you think so obviously i would think baltimore wants to resolve this lamar jackson thing they just want to obviously at this point they still want to resolve it on their terms but they do want to resolve it but they're desperate because i'm looking here nelson Aguilar, rashad bateman Devin Duvernay, Shamar Bridges, Andy Isabella, Mike Thomas, not that Mike Thomas, and Tylon Wallace. So, yeah, Baltimore needed something like an Odell Beckham. And it's a one-year deal. So if it doesn't work out, you cut your losses, you move on. I don't necessarily like the money. I probably wouldn't have gave him more than $8 million, but that's just me. you know. But what happens you know, next year if you don't work out a deal with Lamar? then you're just right back at this point again and possibly without Odell because if he does look good with, you know, Tyler Huntley or whoever, or if Lamar comes back, then his market is going to increase next year. If Lamar then, doesn't come back, Odell's going to have hamstring tightness. <laughs> but but the point being is that you, you may <sighs> not back, only 
you may not only have to pay Lamar Jackson, but depending on how Odell looks, you may have to pay him too because now Lamar's like, hey, you brought this dude in. You can't just let him walk now. So well, you know, think, if they lock Lamar up, I don't. I think Odell's expendable if they can lock Lamar up. The problem is Baltimore is playing this game that everyone thinks that the ultimate motivator for their employees is money. Respect is right. in there too. Yes, you right. want to get paid a wage that you deserve for the work that you do, but you got to respect too. And the way they are dangling the money in front of him, he's taking his disrespect. Right. So if he's taking right. his disrespect and you don't come, you don't alter that. You just kind of just hope that he's just going to ride because essentially the $32.5 million franchise tag that they applied to him is, I know that number is high, but it wasn't meant for him to uh, feel like the team respects him. Like that wasn't levied upon him because they, they have a hope for him or they're right. showing like a, a high regard for him. They did that as like, well, yes, you got to protect yourself as a team to make sure that you don't just commit all this money to him as a franchise player. And you can maybe, maybe somebody would have given up the two first round picks and given them that. So you can't just let them walk. So I understand it from that aspect, but if you're so concerned with keeping him and you want him, and you want to give him 32 million. Why can't you make a deal happen where you just, you get him to, you get, you guys get each other to the numbers. It's simple Venn diagram. He wants this. You want that. Where can we meet? Where can we meet here and make that number happen? Because all you're doing is showing disrespect. And then every time you talk, you're pissing off other players. You know, like as as we look at it, it just doesn't seem and it doesn't fit like the behavior of a team that wants you. Because look at what these teams are doing for draft picks. Like, look what Carolina gave up to move up to one. Look what St. Louis did to get the one to get golf, what Philly did to get the two to get. So these guys are moving hell on heaven and earth yeah. to get draft picks. RG3 but and wins, me, yeah. Off, off the rip, you're just like, oh, we're not in the market for Lamar. But we are, Carolina, we are in the market to give up draft capital, multiple play, draft capital and our best receiver to go For get a dude a that never played a down in the NFL. I mean, you could have just given up two first-round picks, kept DJ Moore, and just got Lamar from Baltimore down to Carolina. Paid yeah, for a dude million. that won MVP at like 22. <laughs> and he won I mean, a Heisman. He won a Heisman like in college, had better numbers the second year after he won a Heisman, then well, wins an MVP in the league. And it's like, nah, we want to go get this dude out of Ohio State. Well, unfortunately, my hometown is a mess, you know, because, you know, it was just a couple of months ago we were sharing articles about Rashard Bateman calling out the GM and the GM talking about we need better receivers. And it's like, I wonder whose job it is to get better receivers. Yeah, that's, that's kind of your whole thing, bro. Yeah, that's kind of your that's your wheelhouse right there. So, you know, and, and that's crazy because, you know, like this is a team that, you know, with like the very first draft picks they had as the Ravens, they got Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. And now we're sitting up here talking about these dudes can't draft. You know, the only thing that changed was the GM. So, like, yeah. 
they have their philosophy. And, but, and but I, you don't. And I wish a lot of teams adopted that, but at some point you you're gonna have to alter. Like you know what? Is this the right move? Being this stubborn. Yeah. Collectively, both of them. Is this is it is is it worth being this stubborn when we're almost halfway through April? Well, you know, the number three has taken over the NBA. You know, all these games are basically three-point shootouts. You know, but in this upcoming NFL draft in a few weeks, is three a lucky number? Because word on the street is Arizona is getting some calls. Only thing I can assume at three is Stroud go is going one. Rumor has it. Bryce Young's going to that leaves Levis or Richardson three. But I also heard that Frank Wright is banging on the table for Richardson at one. And if that information is true, if if Carolina, because I was watching, I believe it was Good Morning NF, Good Morning Football, Good Morning NFL, NFL Network. They had Thomas Davis, former Panthers linebacker. He said as soon as they made the trade to get the one, that people high up in the organization want Anthony Richardson. So if that's true, and I love all the rumors, pre-draft rumors is great. It just it gives us so much to talk about. And we're just we're hoping somebody's right. But if Richardson's going one and Bryce Young's going two to Houston, or if Bryce Young falls to three, I can see teams getting excited about getting up to three. If Richardson goes one, because I don't know if everybody's that excited on Richardson simply because if you look at his, his, his combine numbers were off the charts, his college passing numbers weren't, I mean, like that's just, that's just a simple fact of it. If you think you can take that athleticism and mold it and make it work in Carolina, go for it. You know, you get you, everybody, all 32 teams don't have to like you just one. That's it. But if you're a team like Tennessee and you're like, oh, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young's about to fall to three, and we know Arizona's not taking a quarterback, you know Indy wants one. So it's like you got you, you to gotta make that move. But, I mean, Tampa Bay, they just signed Baker Mayfield. Do they jump all the way up to three and get C.J. Stroud? And have him it's sit only behind, a one-year deal. Sit behind Baker for a year. Uh does Green Bay do something crazy and jump up and move Jordan Love during during the draft? I mean, who knows? That sounds like crazy I mean, fantasy. Yeah, I was gonna say, talk. who wants him? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no one wants Lamar's, but you know, Derek Carr got a deal, so you don't know who wants who. But like realistically, if as I look at the draft order, Maybe the commanders feel froggy and they don't really feel great about Sam Howell. Maybe they jump to three and get CJ shot if he's going to be available. Leave us out. Uh, Where's Tennessee? Tennessee is at eleven. So if I if I'm if I'm a betting man, which I am, 
I got Tennessee going to three to get one of the top three quarterbacks. If Richardson, if the rumor of Richardson to Carolina is true, if Frank Wright really wants Richardson at one, and then who knows what happens? You know, how it's, all, it's always it's always funny how this happens because you're all like, "Yo." Maybe your team will go up there. And I'm like, no, maybe your team will go up there. You know, because if I'm the Falcons, I still don't know what I have in Desmond Ritter. But what I do know is that he doesn't have any of the upside of these dudes up there in this draft. If you You think about it. He does. I mean, he only lost a couple of games. I think even like 26 and two in college. His record is on par with what their college records were. Atlanta was a team that ran the ball a lot last year. Didn't get, didn't create too many turnovers. Now they're bolstering the defensive side. But you're also, but you're also leaving out level of competition. You're also leaving out level of competition with that. They only played six. Oh well, listen. You only yeah. You play who you play. It's not like Alabama. Yeah, you play who you play. I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that as a statement. Playing a bunch of world beaters every week. It wasn't LSU every single week for Ohio State or Alabama either. Well, you know where where it could get interesting. I don't think this is a thing, but where it does get interesting is just last week, right here on Sports Reports is ordered. We talked about Matt Jones, you know, possibly being on the move. So, you know, does Belichick pull the surprise of the century and move up for one of these guys? And if so, which guy? Like, I would think Bryce Young is probably um, the one or, you know, but knowing Belichick, it might be Will Levis. Uh, You know, I never (laughs) I never trust the Raiders to stay in their place like the Raiders. That's not something the Raiders are known for. They don't stay in their place. So I could see the Raiders, even though they picked up Jimmy G, I could see the Ravens, the Raiders being enamored with Anthony Richardson. Like nothing screams Raider like super athletic, fast dude that only they will move the sun for. You know, but yeah, but I think this other movement might be because the rumor regarding Richardson to Carolina might be true. But but I do like Tennessee, you know, because we talk about Tannehill and what what are they going what's gonna happen with him? And we saw enough maybe out of Malik Willis that you know they they at least may Vrabel might be trying to convince people to pause that experiment, if not just flat out give up on it. Yeah, you know, the, but the Malik Willis pick was not the pick he wanted. But some articles that I saw, I thought were dumb. You know, like I saw like Seattle and Detroit potentially. Yeah, it makes no sense. To three, it makes no sense to me because if you we know Indy's going quarterback, so to me it makes more sense for Indy to move up to three, even though I'm not saying that makes sense. But it would make more sense for Indy to move up to three to protect themselves getting a quarterback than it would Seattle or Detroit moving up, you know, because See, what, what Indy are they has Indy has this Lamar Jackson is still out there. Right. And Ursay might be drunk enough to do it. Or drunk off them perch something. All I'm saying is yeah. this you got Lamar out there if somebody jumps to three and this happens before the draft. 
then Indy, get on the phone, tell Baltimore you'll give them the number four pick and the number 28 pick you get next year because Lamar Jackson will get you to the playoffs. You will win the AFC South with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback in Indianapolis. And, right, and, and, and pay Lamar $200 million guaranteed over four years. And Ursa is one of the few owners that has come out positively about Lamar Jackson saying that you have to explore it or we're going to do our due diligence. So he's one of the few that I've heard say that. So, yeah, that could be a thing. You know, but Seattle and Detroit, I have no idea why these names are out here. Like maybe if Seattle didn't pay Geno and they were stuck with Andrew Locke, I can see that. Jared Goff played what? Played well last year. He played. Yeah, Jared Goff was a loss away from Seattle from making the playoffs. If they had gave up forty two points instead of forty eight, Detroit's in the playoffs last year. Yeah, you know because they lost on the tiebreaker. But you know, as far as teams that are very far away in the draft that could make a big move to get up there, uh, Tampa would be the only one, you know, that I see coming from say lower than ten. You know, unless like you mentioned Washington, but if you're Washington, I would just think you would go get Lamar Jackson, you know, if that's the case, you know, um, to give up the two first round draft picks because you're giving up a 16 versus Indy giving up a four. Yeah, you'll give up you'll give up a 16 and a 20. Well, yeah, NFC East. I don't know if he guarantees a win. He doesn't. But 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 I mean. You're starting a guy that went in the fifth round, and his claim to fame is he caught Dallas sleepwalking. And you still got Ron Rivera as your coach, who yeah, probably somebody's going to make this next coming season. I know every year we we always do these draft, these pre-draft, mainly not necessarily pre-draft, but these first round. This is always a hot topic. It's a great conversation. It's a great hyperbolic conversation, uh, but. I think and oh by the way, oh by the way, Aaron Rodgers ain't in your state yet. Yeah, but that deal's gonna get made. They better hurry I, up. I just I just I just you're at some point someone's someone's spouse at home is gonna be like, What are you doing? You're coming <laughs> home stressed every single day. Just make the deal. Like I don't know what I don't know what you're trying to gain out of this. He wants to go. You wanted you want him gone. The Jets want him. They yeah, want let's just him. grab Corey Davis let's, while we're at it for Jordan Love. You know, <laughs> let's just get out. Of, let's just get out of this situation, and you can stop coming home grumpy every day, so you can prepare for the draft. The Lakers are really proving my point right now. Well, well, I was concerned about this. I think the Lakers win, but I was concerned about. Minnesota coming out hot early, but can they sustain it? That was the question that I had coming into this game. Well, because Lakers going to give them eight feet on every three-point attempt. Well, you know, like Cat has come out looking like I said that he needs to look so far, you know, but I I just don't know if they're going to maintain it. Those legs going to yeah. get tired, you know, at some yeah. point. That's the thing, you know. But, yeah, so, so like I was saying, uh, so Tampa is the team that I could see coming from far away. They got Baker Mayfield. It's just a one-year deal. I don't think anybody truly believes that Baker Mayfield is the future of anything right now. I'm not saying that he's not, but as of this moment, 
I don't think anybody thinks he's the future of anything at this point. Uh, Washington, we mentioned, you know, Sam Howell, fifth round draft pick. I would think they would go after Lamar before they would go after one of these unproven guys. Because if you're going to go unproven, you might as well just see what you got in Howell for a year or whatever while you're sitting there. Um, I mentioned Atlanta. You don't agree, but I mentioned Atlanta. You know, um, you know, uh, I don't they agree just got like because they've been making a lot of defensive moves, and I think you and that's the thing they the haven't really done. They haven't. I they. Every year, I always like knock their free uh, agent signings because it it didn't show a definitive like idea. Like, hey, this is what we're doing with this offseason. Uh-huh. And this one, they signed Bates. They got Clares Campbell. They just traded for Jeff Okuda. I love that pickup. I love the Okuda. They pick re-signed. Up. They re-signed some some edge rushers because a lot of times they will let edge rushers go. Like they let Aluakon go last year in offseason. They traded Deion Jones. So it's like, what are we doing? So I think now they're like, okay, we are going to be physical up front and we're going to get physical corners and we're going to get a ball hawking safety. So I think they're going to kind of rest on that and run with Desmond Ritter. They were like second or third in the league in rushing. So I don't think a move to jump up and get a rookie quarterback does you any good. I don't think it's an advancement on what you already have, considering that makes sense. Schematically, you're going to run a rookie style offense with the guy you already have but without am, losing am I, draft capital. But am I the only one that thinks that this whole Will Levis thing is just smoke up my ass? Like, you know, like, no, he's like, going to get picked. Like that high he's, though. He's going to get picked that high. He's going to get picked. He's he he looks the part. The shoulders, the arms, like six four, six five. He has the quarterback face. That's what Colin Carr talks about. I call it quarterback face. He's just like he just has like <laughs> the look that you want your CEO of your organization to look like. I think and Ryan Leaf had that an, too. Uh, Ryan Leaf was a knucklehead, and uh, he, what's his a, he acted like a knucklehead. And they had what's his name. And there was another dude I had in my mind. Sam just Darnold now has that quarterback just... face. Jimmy yeah, that's Garoppolo what I was thinking about. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about Sam Darnold. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to work. I'm just saying like that kind of Zach Wilson has quarterback face, baby quarterback face, but quarterback face. Mac Jones looks like your CEO. You see how long it took him to walk in his in his lawyer suit to get to the podium when he got drafted. Some guys <laughs> just kind of have that look that wows you. Anthony Richards can walk in a room and break down the schematics of the post route and the cover three defense and go to the whiteboard. And then Will Levis can do it. And he looks like he also could be your golf buddy. And then you draft him. As far as you're concerned, but as far as you're concerned, when we get to draft day, Arizona will not be in possession of the third pick. Tennessee will have the third pick and they're going to take Whoever is not drafted, whoever is so not Will Levis, is still there. <laughs> yeah, they won't, they won't take Levis. Levis, they won't move up to get. I hope I can't. Well, I, but I thought the same thing about San Francisco when they jumped up to get Trey Lance. Okay, and everyone okay, was so, saying it was Mac Jones, and I was like, what? so. So if we say so, so if we're sticking with Stroud, Young, Richardson, that's what we're sticking with. Yes, that's the one, two, three. Who drafts Levis then? If he like, because we're saying that he's going to go high, who's going to draft him then? Tampa Bay. 
So they're going to jump up. So right, so they're going to jump. Someone's like, if if the you know how it goes when the, when you have a run on a certain position, people start jockeying for position. If quarterbacks go one, two, three, someone who's sitting there with the quarterback that is a bridge quarterback because either they are underwhelmed with his performance, a la Minnesota. I know I heard you know rumors that uh, uh, Herndon from Tennessee could potentially go twenty fourth to Minnesota because he could, they think he could fall that far. Oh yeah, uh, Hendon Hooker, yeah. Hendon Hooker, yeah, sorry. So he uh, he falls to twenty three. Then you have a team like Tampa Bay at night. See, that's interesting because he's probably not even going to start. Be ready to start the season. And that's why you have Kirk Cousins, who's riding out the end of his extension. And you see if he can get you over the hump. And if he can't, he's your bridge guy. He's in the quarterback room with him. He's learning from he Kirk. Just happens to be this. He just happens to be the same age as Lamar Jackson. Hey, you know what I mean? Things happen. So Tampa Bay, Washington, if they really love this Howell kid, I think they're they're not going to go with Levis. Um, but yeah, so Minnesota or Tampa Bay moving up to get Levis, or he does an Aaron Rodgers thing where he just falls to the 20s and someone just grabs him. I can see but that. Once, if whoever goes up to three is getting a quarterback. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I don't think anybody needs to move up to three to get, say, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or my guy out of Texas Tech. You know, name is escaping me right now. Tyree Wilson. Uh, I don't think anybody's jumping up to grab any of them at number three. I mean, yeah. I've seen crazier things happen, but you never know. But uh, but I think th- those those guys will be available for Detroit and Seattle at five and six, for example. Yeah, so I, th- I think the wide receiver runs good to go. I think if you yeah, want I don't think we see receivers until deep into the first round. I got it. Uh, hopefully, I don't know if Atlanta grabs a corner since they just traded a fifth round pick for Akuda. Well, that's maybe what I was they thinking. Do, is they, they go Akuda grab Christian Gonzalez, maybe. Or maybe they go and bolster the defensive line and get uh, Carter and just move Calais Campbell and. I mean, I would love for Washington to get outside. Joey Porter Jr. You know, or the guy out of Illinois, but I don't think he's going to be there by the time Washington yeah. comes up. You know, but but yeah, like uh, Will Anderson. So in that case, I, I guess Will Anderson would probably be. My mock draft first defensive player coming off the board, then at you know, five to at Seattle. five, yeah, at five with Seattle, and then six gets interesting because I would think Detroit would grab one of Carter or Wilson that I just mentioned. You know, you just never know. I'd go if if I'm Detroit, I'm going interior defensive line, I'm taking Carter. Um, I think two things. Like I said, I'm worried of Carter because, yes, I mean, you should be allowed to make your mistakes when you're young. It's just that I wouldn't want him to be that close to home. I don't know where he's from, but, like, you know, the trouble that he got in, going back to the campus and hanging out at the campus parties and stuff like that because he's so close. If I'm Detroit, I'm like, I'm not worried about that because I'm like, I got you way up in here in Michigan. 
I can get you acclimated. He's from Florida. Our culture. He's from Florida. You get drafted down south. You're hanging out down there. People coming up. Like, I don't know how many people going from Florida to Michigan on a whim. You can get from any part of Georgia, Florida. I mean, you're on the, you border each other. So I think people come. I think he can potentially put him, get himself into just put himself in situations where he's there too late. It's 1 a.m. It's time to go and he doesn't leave. You know, mm-hmm. he's at a certain kind of event or we hanging out. We ride, we driving our cars through the city, hanging out. And now you just in, you just in the something that you don't need to be in. Maybe he okay, finds so- that in Detroit, but it's unlikely that you just find that kind of, you know, that kind of chaos. And they already, they had eight Hutchinson on the outside. You get Carter in the middle. I mean, I, th- I think that's huge. But yeah, so latest, I, I, I don't so know the why anybody would want to move with the three. Yeah. Yeah, the latest mock draft that I saw on NFL.com by Rhett Lewis, um, he had Tennessee grabbing Levis, but he didn't have them trading up to get him just yet. Um, he didn't have a trade yet. He he mentioned that Arizona would be the most obvious trade, like the most obvious spot where a trade would happen, but he had Tennessee getting Levis and Richardson going to the Colts. So, so the Colts – the Colts are probably sitting in the best spot right now because right they got the bird eye view. Just kid, like what they say, uh, the cat bird seat. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was trying. Whatever to that. Be. Whatever yeah, I was trying to. Be. Yeah, I was trying to go for that. <laughs> I'm like, what is this cat bird seat? But like I said, it, the draft normally isn't interesting, and it probably won't be. Uh, and in but, this mock draft, they got the Falcons uh, going. Miles Murphy from Clemson, edge rusher. At eight? Yeah. And then they got Washington going Joey Porter Jr., like I said, so I could live with that. The Lakers are going to (laughs) lose. You see this, y'all? Even during the NFL draft, you know, this man is focused on the Lakers. Was the iPads right here? It's a poison. It's poison. Listen, they're the only game on right now. I think they're going to lose. Like I said, I don't think they're going to win a series. Hey, LeBron just hit a three on my screen, so, you know, calm down. Yeah, you know, we'll but, but, of, but of course, when it comes to the NFL draft, you know me. I'm interested to see where B. John Robinson's going to go, you know, because I want to see, like, what we doing with these running backs, you know. Like, are we going to see a bunch of teams trade back because the running backs are going to be available? Houston, you know, and and looking at this, uh, looking no, at got this a mock back draft last year. Yeah, looking at this mock draft, he is the only running back that uh, Rhett Lewis is projecting to go in the first round. Well, that but that's pretty standard. I think that's that's been that's been the over under. If you're making a bet on FanDuel of how many running backs go in the first round. I think one, one and a half might have been the. I only think one and a half is, but I think the bet is one because that's crazy. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe these XFL running backs got a better chance than uh, the college running backs. <laughs> the, the thing with the college running backs is like a lot of them are former spread wide receivers that play running back. So they don't have like the bruiser back that the NFL feels they need. They don't have the Ezekiel Elliott, the big body. Right. Adrian Peterson, who was basically made in a lab. 
Uh, well, they're kind of being phased out, you know, like like the like the six one point guard in the NBA. They're kind of being phased out at this point. Oh, Schroeder limped off. Yeah, you know, so yeah, that's where we are, though. So you know, the NFL coming up a couple of weeks. I'm excited. You know, we'll see what happens. I'm gonna watch probably every round, every pick. You know, everywhere I go. I'm going to have my phone with me getting yelled at because I won't stop looking at it. I'll have the live ticker on somewhere. I have something plugged in. Yeah, that, yeah, I do that a lot too. But, you know, now it's time for the world-renowned Get It Off My Chest. So, I'm going to take this one because I don't know what you got today. We didn't talk about it, but, you know, mine is a pretty simple get it off my chest, so I was just going to go first. So I've learned that I be having a lot to get off my chest, you know, like (laughs) when I woke up this morning, when I woke up this morning, I was going to talk about what a disgusting person Mark Cuban is. But then, you know, but that would have probably been, you know, too biased, you know, because I was hoping for Dallas to make the playoffs. So I didn't want to beat that dead horse. You know, yeah, but Mark you heard Cuban, it here you, first. Yeah, but Mark Cuban, you are a very disgusting man, you know, so just throw that out there, you know. So then I thought about talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves and trying out for the heavyweight boxing division. But, you know, that's been beat to death all over social media and all over the radio shows. So, you know, try to make when everybody else zags. And then I thought about it. And I said, what is my favorite sport of all? And, of course, my favorite sport of all is college football. And it's been way too long since we had a college football topic for my liking. But, you know, that's what happens when you're out of season, I guess. You know, you can't have watermelons until the watermelons are in season. So. Correct. All right. So, Pac-12. I'm back on that again. Pac-12, where's this TV deal? Your TV deal runs out next year. And Raph, you know I'm 2-5, so you know I like being different. You know I like trying to be innovative. You know I like going against the grain. But, but, not at the point of not being logical, like, you at least got to be able to back up what you're saying. Like, even if people don't agree with you as 2-5, you got to be able to express yourself in a way that people are like, okay, well, he ain't stupid. <laughs> so imagine my surprise when I saw that the latest rumor is that the Pac-12 is talking TV deal with the CW. <laughs> I'm all about being different. I'm all about innovation. Y'all off your damn rocker, okay? First of all, like just sign this deal with Apple if you got to go streaming for an extra few bucks. Sign a little side deal with, you know, CBS or somebody. So you got your like early games on CBS, your seven o'clock window on CBS. And then maybe you got your late, late, late games on Apple, Pac 12 After Dark and all that kind of stuff like that. But hold up. The CW? 
Like, did you even call NBC to see if they want any football besides Notre Dame football? Did you call Tyler Perry? So second of all, second of all, why have I not heard that San Diego State has been invited yet? Now, granted, you know, I know SMU was in some talks as well, and even I brought up SMU should have been in talks. But, I mean, you just had San Diego State make it to the national title game in basketball. And I know football drives the bus, but why haven't I heard San Diego State is on the way yet? So, Mr. Clive Kauf, you've been in office for two years now. So I'm not trying to hear that Larry Scott left you a disaster when he left as commissioner. You've had two years to get this right. Anybody with vision and foresight would have been working on this deal back then to at least have parameters in place of this is where we want to go. This is where we want to be. This is what's feasible. This is what's not. And the CW ain't on the list. But San Diego State is because you want to get in Southern California. So I was looking at this, trying to figure out what are the brands in the Pac-12 now once UCLA and Trojangelis get out of there. So you got Washington and Oregon, you know, as your top two brands. Is Stanford number three? Is Stanford the next best brand in the Big 12 until Coach Prom gets Colorado bumping again? But, like, is it Stanford, the academic snob? Procrastination is what got you here in the first place. So just announce San Diego State, you know, is coming to the conference. Even if you don't announce SMU or anybody else, let's just get San Diego State secured. You know, don't forget about UTSA. Don't forget about the Roadrunners down here with our 1.4 billion population. So then there's the Pac-12 network. Everybody wants a network. We started with the Longhorn Network. We got an ACC network, Big Ten network. Raph, Raph, I was looking at this. The Pac-12 network has only generated $2.5 million per school. You got the whole West Coast. I know, but you got the whole West Coast. You got a whole coast to yourself. So somebody need to learn how to market, I guess. So... Pat 12, please don't sign a deal with the CW. I mean, how much money can you get from the CW? Maybe that's why they I didn't even know the CW still existed. Like, I what, what you play All American. Like, like what you what, what, show that's on it. Like, like oh, I, I watch it on Netflix, but you know, but what you go, but what you gonna do? You're going to have One Tree Hill be the lead in for Arizona and Colorado. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have. You go see. You got Oregon and Washington. You just play Pac 12 games, the gymnastics, the swim competitions, the basketball. Like what you got? You got Oregon. You got Oregon and Washington in the afternoon slot, and you're like, stay tuned for Smallville. Yo, now you just play. You just play everything. Gymnastics, men's gymnastics, women's gymnastics, swimming, badminton. I don't get it, all bro. That. It's all yours. I don't get it. All right. My, my get off my chest is a little bit more of a uh, an idea. Matter of fact, I wanna, I'm going to pull it up. So I, I want to get these guys credit because I heard it early and I thought it was pretty cool. All right. So there's this podcast. 
called The Give and Go. It's a soccer podcast. And they were talking about this insane rumor, idea, plan that they had to get Messi, Leone Messi, to come to the MLS. So the plan is every single team would help pay his massive salary that he would be able to command because of his level of popularity. And I'm not, I'm not against it. I think it's a great idea. I saw another clip earlier, and it seems like the soccer thing just kind of came back to back. And they said the reason that Europe is so much better at soccer than the United States is that a soccer camp in Europe will look at you and say, I think you can be good at soccer and invite you to the camp. Whereas in the United States, it's like $8,400 per year for those kind of, for that level of training. And that depends on, you know, where you live, but that's average. So, you know, you live up here in Jersey, Massachusetts area, they could be up to ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a year. So I think getting that kind of money together to get messy here, even if it's only for two years, you'll sell out every stadium. So even if you have to, you have to shell out the money, you're going to get it back because it's going to sell out. I give you a prime example. Real Madrid came to Salt Lake in 2006 and played Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake didn't even have their own stadium at this point. They were playing at the University of Utah football stadium. And it's the capacity is like 45,400 people. Well, there was 45,400 people to watch David Beckham play he only played the second half and he had one bended like Beckham free kick I think uh Cristiano Ronaldo was on that team uh Ozil a couple of guys that played for the German national team running team so it's a lot of heavy hitters on the European team and it was a friendly 45,000 people so now you promote every game they said they were going to promote every game every road game is Messi is coming so I'm with it I think if you can find a way to get that I'm going to soccer game just to see Messi because I've never, I never even had an opportunity to see him. I did get to see David Beckham, and you, when you think about it, you don't know like, ah, that's not a big deal. But the MLS started to take off, so it was like, well, you're kind of stagnant. Do the next thing to make the next move and and see what you could do because it's on TV. You're on TV if you have Messi. If you can get two, uh, granted, you probably can't cr- get Cristiano Ronaldo because I think his Saudi Arabian deal is going to pay him something like $250 million for the next couple of years, like 80 from the team. And then off the side, he's going to get up to $170 million. So that, that's that crazy oil money you can't get. But if you can get a couple of like players to come and play an MLS for one year, I think I think you should go for it. So my get off my chest is hey man go for it spend the money we only gonna be on this we're only gonna be on this rock floating around in the galaxy for so long so let's get some entertainment worldwide so MLS bring Messi to the United States I'm buying tickets yeah you you gotta do what you gotta do to build your brand you know like you know they just signed their Apple deal you know so they're on Apple now you know I watched a few Real Salt Lake games because if you believe, stand up on your feet and shout it loud, Real. 
you know. So, you know, I've been I've been on it a little bit, you know. But yeah, like if soccer is gonna make that mark in the United States, these are the opportunities that you have to try to take advantage of to make that happen. Because even if people in the United States don't necessarily, you know, soccer ain't their thing, you know, Messi's a big enough name, you know, to get some casuals that you don't have already. Yeah, just because the your top training for soccer in the United States isn't available to everybody. It's right. only available to people who can shell out an additional eight to $10,000 a year on top of and that's why that's just for the plane you got to factor in you got to get there you got to be there multiple times a week you get a personal trainer and nutritionist all this other stuff that probably comes along with it that you would just get from, from being in this camp so i mean so i guess i guess App, i guess apple is good enough for mls but not the pac-12 listen to cw, CW next they're gonna be in the, on the tyler perry network <laughs> so let me find out i'm a you know just to watch oregon i'm gonna have to turn on the oxygen channel you have to watch one tree hill first you know said yeah i guess that counts as basketball right that's still sports i guess never seen an episode of one tree hill in my life <laughs> I, I just know chad michael murray and sophia bush are in it so i, know. I don't even think i've ever watched smallville like I don't, I don't know what I've ever watched on the CW. I, all I know is All America's on the CW, but I've only seen it when my son's watching it on Netflix. But I know it Yeah, I watch it on Netflix. The they might have had Saints so, and Sinners. So maybe the, maybe the football buzz from All American is like, well, you know, we should get the Pac-12. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I can't I, knock the CW for it, you know what I mean? But I'm definitely going to knock the Pac-12 for it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that doesn't seem like a great deal. Yeah, I that's because gonna... I can't imagine that that deal you'd get from them would be like whatever you would complain about a deal you would get from NBC. I don't know if the CW can make up for what you don't like about the NBC deal monetarily. Right, I and mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll see. You know, Lakers making it a game now. Yeah, see. Hopefully they win. Like I said, I'd like. Well, you me. know, I, like I will team. say, I just, I just don't think I think they're poorly constructed, and I thought I that. Will... For two years. I will say, you know, obviously, like like I always say, I hate the Laker talk. It's all poison. But I will say, I will say that we have the possibility of Lakers Warriors in the second round. I, I think I can live with that. Yeah, I don't know if that was a goal, Tim. Are they going to review it? Up, 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 up. Nope, that's not goal 10. They didn't but, review it. But yeah, I think I could live with that. I think I could live with Warriors and uh, Lakers second round. But that's you know, like if you're hopeful, you're normally more optimistic. No, I'm not hopeful. Like realistic. I want the Lakers to lose tonight, you know, but I'm just saying like the, the story aspect of it would be entertaining because since, since LeBron has been in LA, I think we saw like one play-in game between them and the Warriors. And you yeah. know the Warriors, the Warriors being his nemesis that have prevented him from winning titles, and then he came back and made history against them. You know, it'd be nice, like one final chapter. You know, like you know, get that get that rivalry because I don't know how many times more we're gonna get it. You know, so this might be the last shot that you know we see the Warriors against LeBron in the playoffs. So if that's the case, I can live with that. You know, but if it were up to me, 
Lakers lose tonight, and then they would, you know, lose, you know, <laughs> in two nights as well. So, you know. <laughs> but that's just me. It has nothing. But before we go any further and before we get out of here, I want all you LeBron James fans to know. I want all y'all to know it has nothing to do with LeBron. I promise. Like, I hated the Lakers since 1988, back when they called that, back when they called that phantom foul. They called that phantom foul on Bill Lambeer to get the Lakers to game seven, you know, in that series. The Lakers were the first team that I ever saw the referees cheat for in my life that I remember. So that's why I hate the Lakers. And then as much as I love Kobe, I remember him elbowing Mike Bibby and busting his nose, and they called the foul on Mike Bibby, you know? So, like, hey, it's a blocking foul. Can't be so there stuff like that. Ball. And then right when I said the Lakers were back in the game, you know, I went on my tangent, and now they're back down <laughs> eight with a three coming. So they're down 11 now again, all over again. Down 11 with 22 seconds left in the half. Mike Conley. Minnesota on a 14-2 run the last 230. Yep. The you Lakers know. were up. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, for I a second, for a second. Yet. No, they'll they'll be they'll be fine. I think they still pull this game out, you know. No, uh, they can lose. And and if they don't, if they don't, you know, it is it just is what it is. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to Sports Reports Disorder. Mike Wilson, Raph Rutley, like us, review us, subscribe. It's free. Yes. Thanks for your support, America. We love you. We out. Peace.